Before we begin, a note of warning. The language used and the topics explored in this podcast are not suitable for listeners younger than 18. Your discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to reveal the real world of real estate with your hosts, Justin M. Reardon and Amy Romberg. Justin! Amy, how are you, darling? I am doing well, thank you. The sun finally is coming out a little bit. Turns out that's life-changing. Yes. Hello, summertime. We are so excited to see you. I cannot complain about that. Market market is changing. Oh my gosh. So weird. Yep, so I have a listing that just went on yesterday. Yesterday, late afternoon. And I pushed it up a week. I actually just like cranked everybody into gear. I changed your team schedule and they managed it very nicely. Yeah, and yeah. The, I changed I changed it a couple weeks ago. So I knew what I knew we were just trying to move it forward, but because I think everybody's just feeling a little bit like, what's going on? How's this gonna go? I mean, being so new in this business, it's like, okay, what's ahead? You know, people talk about the market changing and I'm like, okay, I can listen to some of it. And then I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't where we're all gonna land. You've weathered a lot of different markets at this point. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we have these two different products. We have conventional and we have uh, guaranteed. And, you know, everybody's yeah. been using conventional for the past two years. Uh, well, that's yeah. not true. Right when COVID hit, we had a bunch of guarantees because everybody was so unsure what was going to happen <laughs> yes. in the market. And basically the big difference is that like all the risk is on you with conventional, all the risk is on me with yeah. guaranteed. And three projects last week, guaranteed, just signed them. Interesting. Because yeah. <gasps> all of a sudden people are like, wow, oh, I don't know what's happening. And they're like, guaranteed. I'm going guaranteed. And I was like, okay, we're going guaranteed then. So oh, interesting. I'm fine with either way. I'm not ready for guaranteed yet, yeah. just so you know. Yeah. I'm not quite ready for guaranteed. It is guaranteed is designed for a buyer's market. And we've been in a seller's yeah. market for a long time, and guaranteed is designed yeah. for a buyer's market. And it is a very different thing, a very different mm-hmm. market. And, you know, there's been a lot of houses that, like, you throw it on the market and you price it anywhere you want. You barely do your CMA and you get 1,500 offers and it sells for $250,000 over asking, which by the way, I think if you're yeah. an entire house over asking, you may have priced it incorrectly. <laughs> that's, um, oh, that's the bar. That's my yeah. new bar. That might be a problem. Yep. Yep. We are going to see a big change in that the agents that are good at this are going to stick around and the agents that are not are going to go away. Um, and so yeah. there's going to be yeah. kind of um, readjusting. Like when I first started in home staging, just before the crash, there had been 60-60 home stagers in Portland after the crash in 2007, there were 16, one six home stagers in Portland. Whoa. And so, you know, we're at this point right now where like I compete against a lot of different home stagers. Like the market is very fat and it's, yep. we are headed towards diet zone. We are going Weight Watchers on this market real fast, which yep. means that a lot of agents are going to go away. If you don't yeah. have a healthy sphere of influence, if you manage to piss off everybody that you work with during this period, it's really hard to get calls once, yeah. once we get into a much more leaner market. I got a call yesterday, my home stager is retiring and we need to find a new home stager. We've used them for 10 years and they're retiring. We need to find a new home stager. And I was like, oh, there was that first one. Got a phone call. Uh, our house uh, sold for $20,000 under asking. Got that phone call this week. Wow. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, we hosted an open house. We usually have between 50 and 60 parties. We had four parties. Four. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. It's a very different thing. Like, we're going to start seeing seller concessions. We're going to ask people, the buyers are going to ask for more. There are going to be offers that are under asking. There's going to be something where, like, you go on the market and it doesn't go pending in the first four days. This is a different thing, right? Yep. I just prepared my sellers for that. Like, hey, you know, when we first started this conversation, I was pretty sure that we would put it on Wednesday or Thursday and you would go pending by Monday or Tuesday. It's pretty, you know, your chances were pretty good. And I was like, so we might stay on the market a little longer. Yeah. No big deal. Might take two weeks. Staging looks great. Might take three weeks. <laughs> yeah. We're just now getting ready to revamp our instant pricing email. And the email that you're going to get now is going to be very, very simple in the information that it gives you on the first email. There'll be an attachment that's that's attached to it, like a PDF. And you'll open that PDF and there actually will be a graph that will show you the day that it makes more sense to go guaranteed than pay up front. Because guaranteed. Oh. 
pay-for-end conventional yeah. gets more expensive the longer you're on the market. And yeah. guaranteed always stays flat. And there's a point where those two lines cross. And that is going to yes. be like day number 62. And so if you have a feeling that this yeah. product that you're going to list is gonna, might be on the market for more than that many days, go guaranteed. Um, and so we're going to do all that math for you, which I'm super excited about. That will be super useful. Yeah. Each email will be custom written and made. So you'll it'll be customized for your particular project. Oh, it's like this I is hard it. math. That's we great. should do this for them. <laughs> I feel like you're always doing the hard stuff for us. Trying. Um, That's really a, a lot of what a real estate agent's job is that you're concierge. You know, that your yeah. clients come to you and they're like, we need to do all these things. We have to clean the windows and clean up the yard and find a, an escrow officer and a home stager and a photographer and a sign person and all stuff. And you have all those connections. You know, the concierge that makes all that, all those things happen. You know, I think you're only as good as your team. That's the other thing is that like, you know, we're going to see vendors going out of business if because there's not enough work to go around. And so some vendors are going to go business. And if you pick the good vendors and you kept them healthy when the market was good, those vendors will stick with you and still be around. But there's going to be a lot of agents yep. out there that went with like the cheapest guy and the cheapest guy might not be the one who's in business next week. So yep. those relationships yep. are going to be huge. A lot of complexities. Yeah, m- most certainly. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think the biggest one is if you spent the last seven years being a total douchebag, no one's going to want to work with you. Like they're in the, especially yep. in Seattle and in Portland, man, relationships are everything. And who yep. you and are nice to is going to matter. Yeah. It's going to matter. Yep. And there, it feels like there's so many agents too. It's just, I'm surprised sometimes that it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Most certainly like who, who's able to stick it out. There's that Peralti rule, which is 80, 20, like 20% of mm-hmm. the agents are doing 80% of the work. And I think in real estate, it's more than like 90, 10, that like 10% of the agents are doing 90% of the work. Um, and so yeah. we're, we'll see a big change in that other 90% of the people that are not listening. It's like, at some point, is it worth paying the desk fees to keep yeah. your license alive if you're not really actually doing any transactions at all? We're, we're, uh, we are in for buckle up, kiddos. It's going to be a, a bumpy ride. <laughs> um, so we have Roseanne Vecchio here with us today. Um, Roseanne. I can't wait to meet Roseanne. Yeah, she's yeah. been doing this for a long time. We've been friends for a long time. She is super nice lady, real estate agent here in Portland. She's hanging back in the green room. We turned the green room into um, into kind of a parlor and she's hanging out with Hollywood medium Tyler Henry because she said she had some like some dead folks she wanted to conjure, which is like so like um Wow. Otherworldly. Right. Uh, I can't wait to hear more about this. She's getting a reading. <laughs> so I'm gonna run back there and grab her and see like who she's talking to. What do you think? Oh yes, please. Yes, please report back. All right. I can't wait to hear. I'll be right back. Amy, I'd love for you to welcome to the show. This is Roseanne Vecchio. This is Amy Romberg. Roseanne. Uh, you guys get to meet each other for the first time, yes? No, we've never met. This is the first time. Nice to meet you, Amy. Hello. It's so good to meet you, too. Amy, that was the craziest thing I've ever been through. We were back in the green room. We were with Hollywood medium Tyler Henry, and we were conjuring Estelle and Rue and B and Betty. The actors, you'll know them by their characters' names better. Oh. It's Sophia, Rose. Rose, Blanche, and Dorothy. Oh, the, the Golden gold, we were, Girls. We were like, we were doing the Golden <laughs> Girls. And like, seriously, it was crazy. <sighs> I was like, oh, oh my goodness, B. Arthur, you were just like a grandmother to me. And she's like, I'm not your grandmother. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> wow, still cranky in death. My goodness. That, that sounds remarkable. Thing. When we go, when we take Roseanne back to the green room, you should totally go back because that guy, Tyler, is like, do you have anybody you want to conjure? Like, I don't, I, I think I have to think about that, but I mostly would would just like to kind of hang out and see what he does. It sounds pretty remarkable. He'll be like, there's a presence in the room. <laughs> so Roseanne. <laughs> um, how long have you been doing real estate? I was licensed literally the end of 2004 and then started in January of 2005. Perfect. So where'd you grow up? I grew up here in Portland. Or in I was Portland. Born in Port- yeah, I was born in Portland, okay. Oregon at the yeah. old Best Kaiser Hospital, which I think now is the Adidas <laughs> campus. actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think but you're it's right. Transformation. Yes. I, yes. I know. I think it. I think it is. When I was little, though, my dad. Took, he was a professor of languages, so he took us. When I was two, we lived in Italy for a year, and then another stint in Barcelona when I was six. 
But other oh, than wow. that, I've been I've been here. Do you remember Barcelona? You don't remember Italy, right? Because you were too little. But do you remember Barcelona? I do remember Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, I really do. But I bet that was pretty. I mean, I have a six year old right now, and I, I I tell myself like I think this is when his memory starts to like. There's things that he's going to hold on to. So you know, I've got to up my parenting game, of course. And but but start being nice to him. Speaking from experience, oh yes, right, yes. But I I bet that was pretty transformative in some ways. Like even even as a six year old, like it just sort of set the stage for some things in your life that were probably pretty pretty interesting. You know, I don't know that you ever know definitively what it did. I I believe that it did make big changes for me, you know, as a person and just, you know, being in, I, I'm such a huge believer in travel and learning from other cultures. And, you know, I grew up in a multicultural family because my dad came over when he was 14 uh-huh. and his dad oh. was already here. They were separated by the war. So yes. for a long time. And so the rest of the family came over here we all lived on one city block in Southeast Portland and we oh. used to run around, you know, the block to all the different houses of our family. And my grandparents didn't really speak English. So I grew up mm. with Italian everywhere. Okay. Oh, that's okay. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I think that having sort of a little bit of a multicultural childhood and then traveling, it's so eye opening to be able to experience other cultures. And I'm sure it had an effect, although I, I have no idea. Yeah, but <laughs> as, a six, as a six-year-old, you just probably absorb some things that have become a part of who you are. So I learned a little bit yesterday that you graduated from high school when you were 16. Like you kind of like blazed through it and went straight to college from there. What happened? And my parents and their wisdom now, see, as background, my dad was a college <laughs> professor. My mom was an elementary ed teacher. So when okay. I was in Spain at six, I went to some Italian school in Spain and was completely confused the entire time. But we came back and I had never been to a kindergarten, but I was first grade age. My mom being a teacher had already taught me to read. So they just plopped me into second grade at six, (laughs) which I don't recommend you do. (laughs) No, I wouldn't do that. But that's how I ended up ahead. So I went through four years of high school. I just was on the young side. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. you're like the last to get your driver's license. Yeah. I never got it in high school. It was wow. very, it was yeah. a strange experience to be younger than everybody, you know, because they're yeah. all doing the normal yeah. things. And I was still. I was the opposite. I was really skinny and super effeminate as a child. And the teacher was like, uh, your kid's going to get super picked on. So why don't you just keep it at home for an extra year? So I didn't start school till I was seven. And so I was like the first kid to get my driver's license. Like I was bigger than everybody else. Like it was kind of, maybe I'm the bully. I'm the bully. I'm the bully. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody you'd like to say you're sorry to Justin while we have you? I am so sorry to Somerville (laughs) Elementary School, all the beavers. I'm so sorry. Oh, I also went to this school. So, So Roseanne said that she was listening to some of the podcasts last week. And Roseanne, would you sing it with me, please? Oh, sure. <laughs> what do you do, do, with, you a do with a drunken sailor? sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Roseanne sang that at elementary school as well. And I was like, you're the only, I figured everybody knew this song. I figured it was like, like you know, um, Farmer in the Dale or, you yeah. know, um, Old McDonald or something. And no, apparently, Drunken Sailor, not so much. But it's Roseanne knew this song. So it was pretty Yeah, good. Las Vegas and Portland, great schools. Oh, my goodness. Part of their funny. choir cor- curriculum, I guess. I don't know. So That's funny. amazing. I'm glad you found <laughs> each other yep absolutely <laughs> oh and i was a cheerleader too justin so we have a lot were you comments. really yes i was all the cool people were that's all i'm saying it's me you and george w bush it was very strange because <laughs> i was absolutely not flexible and i couldn't do any of the moves at all but i only tried yeah. out because to prove a point that only cool people got on and i never thought i would and then i oh. got on and i was on there with all these people i didn't know <laughs> it was very odd i'm gonna say that you did prove that point because i think you're super cool as somebody oh, who's sweet. also cool, oh. we can see it in each other. <laughs> I didn't travel in those circles, so it was a little bit awkward, but that's okay. Good for you, though. Still Good for you. That's kind of that's kind of brave. Okay, so you go to college here in Portland, right? Yes. And then work at uh, Meyer and Frank, uh, doing retail for a little while. Yeah, because I was at Portland State, and a lot of college kids worked downtown at the Myron Frank store in college. Yeah. It was a good way to earn money, yeah. so it was right there. So I did that okay. throughout college. I was there kind of a long time at college. And then when I got out, uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I, I, I didn't want to stay there. And I thought, well, an ad popped up for airline work. And I thought, oh, that sounds fun. So yeah. I applied at the airport, and I got hired. So I was working for the airlines for 
a few years post-college. Ooh. Are you in office? Are you like moving baggage? Are you serving drinks? What are you what are you doing? Like what's your job? Yeah, the first airline I got hired with was brand new to Portland. It was called America West. And their policy was that you had to work all the different jobs. You didn't just work the counter or just work on the ramp with the bag. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you had to rotate. So yeah, I was uh, down in the belly of aircraft. I was up at the ticket counter dealing with people. I mean, way out of my background and experience, but it was it was really great to be able to do all those different things. Fantastic. What drives you to your next step at that point? Probably boredom. And <laughs> what I do. I, it's a good I driver. Get, it's a good driver. <laughs> I get these wild hairs. I was telling Justin, I get these wild hairs every seven years or so or to completely ah. you know, upend my life. So um, I was at my second airline. I moved from America West to Alaska and I'd been there a few years and got bored. I, I kind of outgrew it. And I wanted to do something and I didn't know what. So I decided, well, I'll take the graduate test for teaching and I'll take the LSAT for law. And whichever mm-hmm. I do better on will be the deciding factor of what I do. Well, I did better on the teaching. And I told myself, no one's telling me I can't go to law school. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it had the opposite effect. You were like, actually, I'm going to go the other way. Yeah, because there's so nothing me, if I'm not stubborn. Let me make sure I understand. You went to law school and became a cheerleader for the same reason, which was you ain't going to tell me what to do. You're yeah. right. There's a theme. <laughs> yes. I hadn't thought of that. That is excellent. I love it. That was my next step was I went I went to law school. Okay, so you go to law school, you get out. I assume you are a lawyer by the time you're done. Yes. And where do you head? Uh, well, I was waiting for the bar exam results. So I was working for a judge as their legal clerk in Multnomah County. And then uh, passed the bar and got hired in Clark County, Washington as a prosecutor. Did that for um, a few years. I went into it thinking I could help people. And I realized yeah. there was just a lot of bureaucracy around it. And people were just cases on Probably. the desk emotionally exhausting too. It very emotionally exhausting and I think if you have to be a certain personality that can, you know, shut the door on that type of work when you go home or it will eat you up. And right. I just couldn't. I mean, I would take it home yeah. with me and I burned out pretty fast and mm-hmm. then quit, got married, went back to work as a legal uh, clerk for the judge again. Yeah. Um, and did that for a few years until I had uh, my daughter. Uh, well, you and I have known each other for like 13 years now at this point, Something I think. Something like that, yeah. Because like really shortly after I started the company, we became friends. Whenever I've described you to my team or I talked about, you know, when we work with Roseanne, I always think of you as being like pro- one of the most empathetic people that I know. Like you, you intuitively mm. understand what people need and want in order to move things forward, which I think what makes you such a great real estate agent. Being oh, so empathetic. You like that and then being a prosecutor i think would be Ugh, really, really difficult hard. because you you would feel everything i think you almost have to be kind of like numb or very guarded to be a prosecutor you know what i mean i, I not being the other persona there was a person in my office that was and he would just do his job and go home every day and come back and it literally never affected his mood and i couldn't understand how he could do that because i mean we were doing lower level things like drunk driving and mostly minor stuff but we also did the lower level domestic violence cases which are actually more dangerous than one would think because they escalate quickly yeah, but that's the building the victims, right? yeah. yeah they don't think they're in danger because it's lower level actions i remember all these people that came through my office across my desk and it was just very very hard these are real people with real lives and oh, whether yeah. it's a dui or domestic violence i mean this is affecting people's lives hugely gigantically and oh, now yeah. you're doing it as a real estate agent and in a way that's really positive like yes. you're finding people in their next happy place So how did you land in real estate? That was another, oh, my life. That was another strange coincidence in the, or or maybe just Providence, you know, maybe it's the universe just intervening at all these junctures, right? I uh, had gotten a divorce and I had to, I'd been out of the workforce for a bit with my daughter and I had to do something quickly to earn an income. And I was brainstorming thinking, what the heck am I going to do? And for some reason, what came to mind is uh, I had met when we were selling my parents' house, I had met some, well, one in particular real estate agent, and it was the only one I knew. I didn't know any at all. And so I just called her up to ask her about the career and what it meant, uh, what one would be doing in it. Is it something I could pick up quickly? And she said, well, you know, if you can get your license in a month, then I think it was a month. Um, she said, I need um, some assistance and I can mentor you if you'll help me. So I sort of just oh, fell great. into it. 
Yeah. And that's just how it started. That's such a lovely way to start too, with someone who's just like, yes. here, you're under my wing and let me give you a little bit yeah. of responsibility at a time. And <laughs> I mean, they literally just drop you in. So to have somebody to kind of help you, because I was telling Justin, I showed up on my first day at an empty desk and sat there because nobody told me what I was supposed to be doing. You know, so, I mean, it was very, I'm, I'm forever grateful to her because she did launch me. And by the time, I mean, by the time you're taking your real estate test, you have taken the uh, LSAT, you've passed the bar, Yeah. Uh, you know, and then they're like, okay, now take this real estate test where you just like, it, it must have seemed, and this is not to like trash on real estate agents, but like comparatively to t- passing the bar, this is a much easier test, right? So well, like, ha- what was that experience like? I had nothing to, you know, compare it to other than the bar or the LSAT or any of those other tests that I had taken over the years. But I mean, I approached it as if it was a bar exam because I had literally a month or so to get it. I didn't have a second chance. So I pressure. studied There's it. pressure on you. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of pressure. So I was on it and I studied so hard and um, I show up for the test and there's 50 bajillion people in the hotel lobby where they were giving this test. And I thought to myself, oh my, I sat down and took it and I looked up when I was done and nobody had budged. And I thought, oh shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Did I miss a page? Yeah. Like what's going on? What's happening? (laughs) What did I do wrong? So I went, started all over again and I did the whole test again and was finished and looked up and, you know, again, nobody had budged. And I thought, well, you know what? It is what it is. If I pass, yay. If I don't, I'll let the universe decide on this one. But luckily I did. And I probably did not have to study that hard. <laughs> you go to work, you're with a big company here in town. And at yeah. some point you decide, I'm going out on my own. I'm going to do this. How, what did that look like? Was it scary? Um, are you glad you did it? Like what's, mm-hmm. what does it look like to be kind of independent? Well, I think you've probably actually figured out the, I guess, path <laughs> of my life, Justin. Yes, I know what you're going to say right now already. <laughs> sort of, you know, there's you're not going to tell me I can't be on my own. <laughs> Well, you know what? It's crazy because there's trigger points, right? It seems to be there's always a trigger. And that's what pushes me in a different direction that actually, they always turn out for the better. They really do. So I've sort of learned to trust the universe. But yeah, I mean, there was some movement at the office and things and it made me start to think. And it's dangerous when I start to think. It's when I kept myself into trouble. Like when I was a pro, one one of the reasons I love being a prosecutor too is I did the math. I calculated how many hour, hours I worked against my salary and realized I was making like four bucks an hour and uh. <laughs> decided, why am I doing this? Well, I also did the math. That was one of the reasons too. And I thought, okay, for all the fees that I do pay, I could, I have a daughter and I could be putting her through college if I save the mm-hmm. money. So is there any reason not to do this? And I started to think more and more about it. And one of the, one of the themes that I, one of the things I do want to say is there's room in real estate for everybody and, and whatever personality you are and however you want to conduct your business. There is room for that. You just have to figure out who you are and what that is. Um, and for me, I found that I really didn't need the office. In fact, being an introvert, I worked better on my own. So I wasn't really feeling I was getting any benefit to that business model. So there was a little shift around at the office that was the impetus. And I one day said, okay, I'm doing this. And I just jumped in with both feet. You know, when I think about who this podcast is geared towards and people just starting out, I think that's such an important thing for folks to hear because, you know, there isn't just one way, there's not just one client out there. You know, I, I love thinking about, you know, it's just chemistry. It's who who we are and what we bring and who we pair with. And I think that was such an interesting way of putting that. Well, I think too, what happens is, is you go in and, and at least back then, I think it's changed a lot uh, to be fair, but back then I think Um, the message really was, you have to do it this way. This is how you proceed. This is how you do it. And that's what you're sort of were anyway, spoon fed. But what I realized is it it wasn't authentic to who to who Mm -hmm. I was. Mm -hmm. And over the years, because I think I was there for seven years, I kind of got settled into myself and realized who I was and was able to create my own clientele. And they started referring. So the pipeline started feeding itself. Mm -hmm. And it, it just sort of gave me the insight to be able to say, you know, this is really where I think I need to be. Yeah. And then you yeah. get to be yourself in the work too. I right. think that's such a big thing. You know, when I, my last profession, I feel like I could bring a lot of myself, but it is, I don't know, there's just something liberating in, in your own space and, and who you are and having people come to you because of that and um, yeah, being you, genuine. You, yeah. I think, yes, the genuineness and the authenticity, which I think 
has become a little bit trite. Everybody always states, you know, being authentic to your true self is sort of a common mantra, but in reality, it's, it's valid. And Mm -hmm. you do have to find who, who you are in this. Mm -hmm. And I think once you do, and I remember the, the agent mentored me, she told me, she said, you know, one day your pipeline will fill itself. And I had no idea what she was talking about at the Mm -hmm. time. (laughs) What pipeline? I don't know what you mean. Yeah. Is that like a sewer scope? (laughs) <laughs> exactly, right? Well, I, I, well, I know it's full. It's going to fill itself. What do you what do you mean by that? But um but she was right. And I think once you settle into to who you are and do your business that way, that's when everything sort of coalesces. Was there any kind of like, I don't know, instruction manual or checklist or anything that you put together that you were like, okay, well, I'm going to need errors and omissions insurance. I'm going to need to get a <laughs> broker's license. I'm going to need to like, was there anywhere that you went that like kind of help you put together what you needed to be on your own? At the time, no. I'm sure there's more now, but um, I just did research and I am a research junkie. I tend to just, when I go into something, I go in deep and I just researched and researched and researched and researched and put together my own list of everything I had to do and then, you know, just sort of systematically went down the list, checked all the things off that I needed to do. I will say, I learned a couple things along the way and one (laughs) of them is don't use a symbol in the name of your company. (laughs) Okay. At, at, at home at, is the name of, of Rose Company. At, yeah, at, it's, it's the uh, what is that? What's that? What's that at symbol called? I There's got to be a name for it, right? It's the at symbol. It's the at symbol. H O M E. Yes, at home. Yes, okay. don't do that. It confuses everybody, including the IRS. <laughs> I learned. Uh, yes. Um, and then the other thing is, is when you're creating your domain names, type it over and over and over and over, and you will eventually get it to be as short as it really needs to be, and not as long as. <laughs> <laughs> mine was. These are good yes, lessons. Yes. The website spadeandarcher.com was taken by, I think it was a magic store in LA. They oh, just wow. had parked it so I couldn't have it. And we ended up being spade-archer. I actually ended up being really happy about that because spade and archer was so much longer. It's only two more characters, yeah. but it's just one of those things that, like the dash makes it so much easier to read it. And I remember when I did it, I had a friend who was like, oh, you should never use a dash in a URL. Everybody's going to hate it. Nobody's ever going to find you and I was like, well, there we go. 13 years later, we're still in business. So that brevity thing is very interesting. I still find that with like writing my email, Windermere, like Windermere is too long. <laughs> well, my email is Roseanne at at home property. <laughs> I spent a majority of my time explaining that to people that, that ask for my email. That is a long one, Roseanne. Yes. That is a so, really, that's a rough one. <laughs> but once you have it, you're stuck with it. So that's why yep. I take the time to do Yes. These are good tips. <laughs> Very good tips. <laughs> Absolutely. So you've got, your, your part now, you've got a partner who kind of works with you, Caitlin. Uh, what was that process like of finding somebody? Because I know so many people who are independent agents or they're kind of on their own and it is nearly impossible to take a vacation or to take a night off or do anything because they don't have kind of a second person to bounce things off of. What was that process like in finding that person for you? Okay, so just to give you sort of a frame of reference of what happened here. So I left on my own and, oh, actually, it's kind of a funny story because I named myself At Home Property Group because I tried to get a trademark and like all this other stuff was taken and the trademark attorney said, don't use realty in it. You might get confused with some other at home and company out of the country. I can't remember all the people that had some permutation of it. So I chose At Home Property Group, not thinking that a group is more than one person, which <laughs> I was one person. And I went to a yes. CE and I, I think Phil Quarren mentioned that he was Quarren Law Group, but it was just him. So he had to change the name of his company, which sent up red flags all over the place. So I realized, oh, shoot, I need one other person to keep <laughs> right. my name. Right. So luckily, one of the agents that shared an office with me at the old company came over with me pretty quickly. So there were two of us in the beginning. So I, I solved my name problem out of the shoot. But she was sort of um, not working full time. And I, I, it's always been in the back of my mind, what do I do? And I've been doing this for 13, is it? No, more than that, years now. 2013 that I, that I started at home. But I've been thinking about it all that time because that's actually, at least for me anyway, a really difficult question. How, how do I build this? Because I yeah. was never aiming for this to be a big brokerages or even a medium bro- a brokerage. I, that wasn't my thing. I just wanted to do my work the way I wanted to do my work. And if there was somebody that wanted to kind of do that with me, great. 
So I had um, the one agent that came over with me, but I didn't have anybody else that was really working. And she did help me when she could. But then one day she came to me and she said, you know, my daughter wants to start in real estate. You know, can she start here? And I said, well, sure. Um, so she did. And she was brand new out of the shoot. Actually, she turned out to be fantastic because for me, Justin, maybe you know this, I'm a bit of a control freak and I just don't, <laughs> I don't delegate well. I, I, my clients are my clients and I want to make sure that, you know, I'm. You're not, you're definitely not a big fan of chance. Yeah. You, you, you like no. to know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's been difficult for me to even have anybody cover. And I typically don't go anywhere and I don't go on vacation because it's just super, super hard. So I think number one, it depends on who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. So many agents have zero issue with this. So this is just particular to me. Now I'm at the stage where I'm thinking, well, I'm sure retirement's going to be coming up fairly soon here. So I need to move on this a lot more quickly than I have in the past. And that's where I am right now as I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way to kind of transition out of it, you know, and hand, hand the business over to somebody else. So I haven't an to answer your question in a very long way. I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love this idea that like you got somebody who was fresh out of the oven and yeah. you kind of mold them into who, you know, they were working with you. They saw what you did and kind of learned from you. And so they learned your decision-making process, which really that's what you want in your partners. You want them to be able to make, come to the same decision that you would come to in roughly the same way. Core, core value alignment. Yeah. And that's what's interesting is I think truly I just lucked out with Caitlin mm -hmm. because yeah. she came out of the shoot doing things strangely the same way I did things. There were never any questions. Right. I mean, it just everything kind of it was very easy to manage her because she did everything the same way. So, again, awesome. um, sometimes you just get lucky. Tell us about your worst day in real estate, like the day that you were like, why am I doing this? <laughs> I've had many days where I've wanted to just say, this is it. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And then, done. Kind of bad, yeah, yes. done. And I'm sure, Amy, you can relate to this, too. Yes, is it thank done, you for done? saying that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, well, and then just when you're thinking this is horrible, <laughs> then the, the great person comes along and then you think, yeah. oh, this isn't so bad. I love my job. Yes. So it is, it is all the things, isn't it? Yes, it's definitely you know, like, yeah, yeah. So thank goodness for the good ones so we can mm -hmm. tolerate. Otherwise, I would have quit years and years ago. But okay, being Italian, I will vent a lot in the beginning, <laughs> very vociferously, <laughs> mm -hmm. but then I let it go. That's my process. And then I, I, I tend not to bring it with me into the future. But the one that really does stand out is, wasn't even my client. I was covering for an agent and it was her listing, her seller, and she was out of the country. So I was covering and I don't remember what triggered it exactly. I do remember we were at the house and the buyer was there, but the buyer didn't have an agent. So I don't know if they were self-represented. I'm not sure what was going on. Something in that event triggered this seller. And I don't remember even what it was because it was probably nothing. Um, mm -hmm. But I got a phone call from him where he just launched into me and was reading me the riot act and was using every filthy name oh. you could possibly think of. I mean, my jaw was on the floor because I don't know that I had ever been treated this way. And keep in mind, Ugh. I worked at the airlines and was yelled at regularly. <laughs> I was a, a prosecutor lot. and yes. I was dealing with all the defendants without their attorneys that were just being charged with crimes. You know, so to have this person really, you know, wow. uh, make, make my job. It seems so floor. weird, though, to like to come after a person like their yeah. character like i'm gonna call you names i'm not gonna be like that was irresponsible i don't like the situation it's like i don't like you it just seems so odd and i guess well, people it, do that though yeah well and i think at the time this was er fairly early on uh in my career you know it was before we have all the recordings now of all the karens you know so we see yes. this behavior a lot now mm -hmm, i think before yes. we didn't see it because we didn't have the social media to be able to to spread it and maybe people so it was particularly unusual to me now i'm sort of inured to it because i see it everywhere but i mean back in the day I, I was i was literally shocked i didn't even know what to say so i let him go on his ty tirade and then eventually got off the phone and I thought, you know what? I refuse to be treated this way. So I uh, I was done. And I remember in the conversation, I just shut down. I was just over it. So I, I went to my principal broker at the time and I said, you know, this isn't even my client. I do not deserve to be treated this way. So I'm not handling it. And he happened to also be the principal broker for the person I was covering for at a different office. So I said, you you need to take this on and give it to somebody else or something, but I, I can't handle it anymore. So he must have called him. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but 
the next day, there were some flowers at the reception desk, apparently for me. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. So I opened the card because I wasn't expecting anything. It was from the guy's wife. It wasn't even, it wasn't even from him. And I thought, you know, I I was so already done and over it that I just took the flowers, handed them to the receptionist and said, here, I hope these make your day. Yeah, <laughs> and walked away. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe she was like, "Sweetheart, I've been there. Here's some flowers. <laughs> like, I know my husband's yeah. a jerk." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know, right? Yeah, and someone said something to me the other day, and this was a a friend who it, I don't know. It was, it, it's a very obvious sort of reflection of the business that we're in, and I think it relates to this story. Like these transactions are don't bring out the best in people necessarily. Yeah. And she she looked at me and she said, "You really work with people in this period where they are completely." self-absorbed. They are supposed, they're completely honed in 100% focused on this really big, understandably, right? It's a huge transaction, but oh my gosh, when she said that, I was like, oh yeah. And I think it was probably, I mean, who knows what was going on with this guy? It sounds like he was maybe not generally the nicest person. Most people can manage to be upset without personally persecuting someone. But I think it just does illustrate the fact that like we work with folks in really, really stressful moments. We do. And you know, what's interesting, though, is that when I look back and I thought, well, this wasn't my client because my clients don't treat me that way. Yes, exactly. Yep. And I found myself just gravitating towards sticking with my clients who whom refer people to me, you yeah. know, and, and that's the, the, like the arena I like to, to dance in. I don't, I don't yes. like cold calling. I don't like strangers. I yeah. don't even compete for listings anymore just because there's not a connection. It's yeah. why sphere of influence is so important. Um, yeah. You know, we affect the things that we can actually change mm-hmm. and we let go of the stuff that we can't. And, yeah. you know, it's when we have the people that are on our side, on our team that yeah. are, have similar core values to us, we can interact with them in a very easy way. And when yeah. you get a mismatch on core values yeah Ooh, it's and so everything, gross yeah everything is goes so much more smoothly when you have that connection and that understanding and actually what it is is a base level trust i was just gonna say that yeah i think you know i'm a couple years into this business and i think i've talked about it in another another episode you know one of my hardest transactions was a sign call that an agent sent my way they just never trusted me yeah. <laughs> and I, I cried through the entire transaction yeah. at various times because i was like why don't you trust me i'm so good like i'm really it was just and it, it is so much you just can't you can't build i I a hundred percent hear what you're saying about like people aren't your people. They're just not your people. And it's so difficult to, to create that. Well, and I think getting back to one of the original things we discussed, the themes of this, is if once you understand who you are and you know, you know what works for you, and then you end up having the courage to, to follow that and yeah. not go down these strange paths. Cause you know, like back in the beginning, they had all these classes for us about how to get clients. And a lot of it was cold calling and farming. And I did all that sort of stuff. Most of the time I was lucky, but I think when you get to the point, where you get to choose because it's not just them hiring us we're also Mm -hmm. hiring them and when you get to the point where you can say this doesn't work for me then Mm -hmm. i think you've sort of arrived that all being said there are plenty of agents out there that this isn't an issue for they work with everybody and it's just fine but it just you have to be in tune with who you are or i think this could be pretty miserable (laughs) for you yeah absolutely as somebody who works with 500 different agents i can tell you that (laughs) the seller matches the agent we know that a Roseanne Vecchio client is going to be a Roseanne Vecchio client and an Amy Romberg client is going to be an Amy Romberg client and a Sohi Anderson is a Sohi Anderson and a Jim Tell is a Jim Tell. And th- every time we work with these clients, they, it ends up being the same person over and over again because they're they're tied in. Their core value matches with these certain agents. We kind of learn to work with them and we know that they're going to like certain things and not like certain things because they are a Nancy Chapin client or they're a Betsy uh, Rickles client. Client. Like we know that's what they're going to be like. Um, and so you can make these really broad generalizations. Uh, that's because they interesting. Match up. Yeah. Well, I yep. certainly yeah. hope that clients haven't disappointed you because that would mean that I disappointed you in some way, right? <laughs> they're always <laughs> delightful and kind <laughs> and polite, which I can deal with. I mean, they, they know what they want, but they never say it in a mean way. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Justin, that's such good perspective you have. I hadn't thought of that before, but that's like, that is a very interesting um, kind of over you, yeah. overview of oh, yeah. how all and, this I mean, gets, the only time, yep. The only time we've ever fired an agent is when we're like, you only bring us jerkwads. 
yeah. every single time. Your <laughs> really? your clients are jerks, and we don't want to work with you and your clients. Take go yeah. elsewhere, go away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's funny because when you fire a, a real estate agent, you fire their entire sphere. Yeah, you entire you you oh, fire all right. them. Right. Yeah, well, that's yeah. pretty so, bold. Yeah, that's a bold move on your part. It's only had to happen three times. <laughs> so, tell us about your best day in real estate, the day you were like, yes, I love this. Well, like I was saying earlier, and I think Amy can attest to is when you have those bad ones, then a good one comes along. And that's Mm -hmm. why you stay. So there have been many, 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 many. And I I couldn't even begin to recall all of them. But there was one that was particularly sweet. I mean, I've had funny things Mm. happen, ridiculous things happen, and then just all around good things happen. But this one was particularly sweet. It was a client that came to me. I sold his mom's house when she was down or no, I think she either passed away or downsized. So he lived in Spokane and his aunt, his aunt Jerry, uh, needed to move out of her house. I met with Jerry and she was in her nineties, a sharp as attack, really, really the most positive person that I have ever, ever met. And she had her struggles in her life, but she still was positive. And she'd been in this house out by mall 205 since the forties. It was her original house. She bought with her husband and they expanded on it. It was this tiny, tiny little cottage that became a ranch and the whole neighborhood knew her and they, everybody and just, just knew Jerry. And it was in a way bittersweet because she was leaving this place that had been her home since the forties. And her husband had passed away years before this. So we got her situated and um, got her house on the market and never a bad thing, always accommodating. And she never had email, no computer. We were doing everything manually, driving out to Mall 205 <laughs> every time yep, I had to, yep. to talk to her about something. So we had multiple offers and she picked you know, the people that she felt would be the good stewards of her house that she'd had for so, so many years. And you know, just the experience with her was so lovely. And then she had moved into this way out in Gresham assisted living place. And I realized Jerry didn't have kids. Her nephew lived in Spokane. All she had was her neighborhood. Those were her kids and her family, right? right. And so I thought, I'm going to go visit Jerry. So I went out to um, this place way out in Tuleyville. It was interesting because I could tell that she hadn't settled in. It wasn't like her neighborhood. And I could tell she hadn't connected yet. So I went and visited her and, and, you know, we talked and she said, you know what? I want it. She introduced me to everybody as her realtor. <laughs> I said, I'm your friend, aren't I? And um, then she said, I'm taking you to lunch. So we had lunch in the dining room, you know, with all the other people at the assisted living center. And, you know, it was just, it left an impression, I guess, is the best way to put it, that always kept her just maybe more cognizant about people and their, and their surroundings and, you know, you know, what they really were giving up in this process, sometimes you get caught up in, in trying just to get the job done and doing it well for them. And then you forget about what they're actually going through. And, you know, that sort of shined a light on it. And, you know, she, just for her to be so positive, given that this was truly a difficult, difficult step for her, but she never stopped laughing and she never stopped smiling. And I could tell that she was uncomfortable, but she still did it. And, you know, it just, just left this huge impression. It was a birthday a few days ago, actually. (laughs) So I should probably make another visit out there now that I think about it. But it's just the sweet, sweet stories like that, that bring you back down to earth, I guess, and make, make you realize these are people that that you're dealing with. And it's meaningful work. It is meaningful work. What's the best place for folks to find you? (laughs) Okay. So Justin, as an introvert, one of the hardest (laughs) things in real estate was putting my name anywhere out there. And God forbid my photo on a flyer was traumatic. I still have PTSD (laughs) from doing that. So I am not everywhere. You won't find me everywhere. I'm not plastered all over the internet. I'm just not. But uh, I do have a landing page and the people that need to find me, find me. Yes. And they send out their bat signal and I appear. It's at, here we go. Are you ready? At Mm -hmm. homepropertygroup.com. And it's spelled out A-T-H-O-M-E. Yes. Propertygroup.com. Yes. At homepropertygroup.com. Perfect. Yes, because you can't have the, the, uh symbols when you do your domain <laughs> yes. names and things I learned the hard way. Yes. So, if yeah, there was that's... a www, it would be com at home. Fantastic. Roseanne Vecchio is a real estate agent. She's been working for how many years in real estate? Gosh, I forget. This is my 18th. You know, I've never done anything year. more than seven. I've got that seven-year itch going my whole life. Wow. So this is, this is pretty <laughs> crazy that I've made You've it this You've passed long. it twice already. Jeez. I know. 
Um, no. She's here in Portland, Oregon. She's absolutely delightful. Just one of the kindest people that I've ever worked with. Mm. And every time that your name pops up on our instant pricing machine, I'm always like, yay, Rosanna's back. Um, (laughs) And we've been working together for years. And as, I mean, just silly things like, I think, Rosanna, your daughter was in a play years ago and you needed a typewriter. And like, we got to put a typewriter on the stage of your daughter's play. And then you sent us tickets to go watch it, to go watch Uh, the play. Good. It was so good. That's right. I always called when we needed props. We I would call Justin and say, Justin, do you have this random thing? And Justin (laughs) would always provide it. That's yeah, amazing. Sure. Yeah, amazing. I mean, it was honestly. so sweet. And like our little name was in the brochure yes. that was like typewriter provided by Spade and Archer. And I was like, oh, that's so oh, cool. That's so sweet. I know. I'm like, see that typewriter? <laughs> that came from Justin at Spade and Archer. Oh, I love it. That's what so school sweet. was that at? I forget. Was it? Was that's that a Jesuit? High school? A Jesuit. Mm-hmm. If you ever get a chance to go see a Jesuit musical, oh it's like gosh. a Broadway production. They are it off is. the hook. <laughs> They're so good. I'm. I, it is amazing. And the tickets were what? What ten or fifteen dollars? Something like that. Like it's oh yeah, it's like ten bucks or inexpensive. something. It they it's do so well done. Shocked at the level of oh, costuming, wow. and stage production, and talent, and. I mean, it really is the best yeah. show you can see for 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you take that movie High School Musical and then give it good production values. Like, yeah, there it is. Yeah, Amazing. it's great. But thank, thank you, you for coming. That was so special yes. of you to actually come. I was really It was, was great. Really happy I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Amy, do you want to take Roseanne back to go deal with Tyler Henry and like check out the <gasps> um, seance I, that's going I on back there? can't wait to meet Tyler Henry right <laughs> this way, Roseanne. <laughs> yes, we get, to, we get to have a chat with all the girls. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to join us, Justin? I'm good. I'll, I'll be here. I'll be waiting for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. It's been an honor to sit with you guys, and thank you for asking me. Oh, wow. Tyler Henry. Wow. He is amazing. And I mean, the opportunity to chat with all of the Golden Girls, they were such a part of my my youth. I would go back and visit my grandmother in San Diego and she always loved the Golden Girls. So we would all watch the Golden Girls together. So I feel like I just had this great blast from the past. So yeah, I feel like it's like the only reason to move to Florida. So you're not opening a Spade and Archer Florida anytime soon? Can you imagine? They would hate us. They'd be like, oh, what are you guys doing? Ah, oh, you're terrible. Uh, you're from the Pacific Northwest. You know nothing. Roseanne was so delightful. She's really nice, She's right? She's wonderful. So many yeah. things she said were just really insightful. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. And thinking a lot about the little bit we talked about, sphere of influence and pipeline. And, you know, what is the, what is your pipeline? Who is... Yeah, pl- okay. So what? let's talk about that. What is a pipeline? What does that mean? For me, in my experience, the pipeline is sort of like kind of the flow of transactions and clients to you. They're clients first and foremost, right? You're just not out uh, doing real estate business in a certain way. I don't think of my clients just as transactions, but it is the, it's the flow of people to you. Our pipeline is very like incredibly well-defined and we have what we call KPIs, our key performance indicators, which is like a lot of times if you're running a business, you, you go off of your profit and loss statement and whatever your profit is at the end of the month, you know, if you did well or not, that's what's called a, a following indicator. So after the work is done, then you see how you did. And that's like your report card. Uh, Whereas a, a leading indicator is something that tells you like, if these things are happening, you will make money down the road. Ah. So for us, it's like website views. Yeah. Instant, instant pricing, pricing. clicks, yep. uh, site visits scheduled, projects scheduled. And so we don't really know how that's going to look, how it's going to turn out for us until the end of the month, actually 15 days after the end of the month. But if those things are healthy, if we're getting lots of website views, we're probably going to get website, we're going to get instant pricing clicks. If we get lots of instant pricing clicks, then some of those will turn into site visits. And if some of them get site visits, then some of those turn into projects. So like that's our pipeline is this like very well segmented thing yeah. that we keep track of every single day. Wow, you track it every day. That's amazing. Every day. We can see like 14 days from now, we have no more work left. Yeah. What are we going to do? So like we are constantly looking at those things. And so I think you're, I think like as a, 
residential real estate agent, your pipeline is like, who expressed interest? Yeah. Who is talking to me about listing? Who's actually listing right now? And my hot lists and my warm lists and my like future follow-ups and yeah, all those things put together. Successful agents will look at that intuitively. They know like this is what's happening. They may not have the word for it. They may not have that pipeline word for it. Yeah. But I think the ones that are going to end up being that the fat that gets trimmed are the ones that are not paying attention to their pipeline. Yeah. If you're not tracking it, you're not paying attention to it, it will probably die. Yeah. It's like your pipeline is like a house plant. You must take care of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So sphere of influence. I had this little buddy talking to him last week and he is working on starting a business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he came to me and he was like, Justin, I just, I just can't. I'm like, what's going on, man? And he's like, the state of the world, the oh, environment is yeah. crap and the whole world is going to fly into the sun and everybody's going to die and Putin's going to take over and there's going to be a school shooting tomorrow. And, Ugh. you know, I mean, it was just like, it was all of these things that were like, and I, and I sat down with him and I was like, all right, look, when I started my business 13 years ago, I had the radio on and it was during the recession and the NPR had this storyline that was called um, Hard Times. And they would play this really sad Billy Nelson song and then they would interview people that like had lost everything in the recession. Oh, God. And every day I would get in the car and I would hear this story, Hard Times, and I was starting to lose my mind. And I was mm-hmm. like, I can't do this anymore. And so I plugged a cord into my radio and hooked up to my phone and I would only listen to music on my phone. No commercials, no news, no advertisements. (laughs) And I went on like a news blackout because everything that was happening on the news was outside of my immediate sphere of influence. I could not change those things that were happening, but I could change things that were happening in my business precisely. And more precisely, I could influence people around me to change what was happening in my business because we have to bring in clients. We have to make friends. We have to do things for people. And so when people talk about your sphere of influence, this is about who is around you that you could influence to come and work with you to sell this house or to help them buy a house. That's where as service providers, as real estate agents or home stagers, that is where all of our energy should be going. All of it. And I think that also gives us a sense of like, I mean, not control, but like, okay, I can, I can participate in the world and in my business in this particularly defined way. And I don't have to get completely overwhelmed by all the things. I mean, we all manage a level of overwhelm right now. I think just, you know, the, the past handful of years has been rough, but I do, I do think if you can tuck it back in and just focus on what's in front of you, that makes it much more manageable. I think when you say like control, it, it, it gives us like perspective yeah. on it. It puts us in a container yeah. that we're like, oh, I can actually make a difference here. I can change that. This is something I have control over. I can do that. Whereas like, you know, I have zero control over what the president is going to say or what's going to happen in Ukraine. I have zero control over that. We got to kind of let go of the things that we don't have influence over. Otherwise, it's going to drive us crazy. Wow. Deep stuff here. (sighs) Um, Our music is provided by Joff Metz. He wrote that little jingle and he played it, the whole thing. You can find him at fivestarguitars.com. Amy, what's the best place to find you? I am easily found at amyromberg.com. Oh, it sounds like an interesting read, I tell you. I'm (laughs) going to check it out later on today. (laughs) Um, Our editing is done by Richie. Richie, thank you so much for making us sound smart. You always are the best. Um, You can find us at spade-archer.com. You can get your instant pricing there. You can get uh, guaranteed or conventional staging. We're the world's first guaranteed home stager. And uh, if you have a story that you want to tell, we would love to hear from you. And I just want to say thank you so much for all the folks that have reached out. Um, it's been really impressive. We're getting a lot of, of requests as of late. I just want to say thanks, Aim. It's been such a pleasure hosting this with you. And I look forward always. to the next one. Always, always. We'll see you next time. Behind the Yard Sign. This production of Behind the Yard Sign was brought to you live from the Spade & Archer Studios. Spade & Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.